Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. I want to take just a few moments this morning, and I literally mean that, just a few moments, to talk to you about how we have hope when our world turns upside down. How we live in hope when things around us make no sense. When we hang on to hope, when it seems like the world is filled with chaos and confusion. So look with me to Hebrews chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 1 and 3, and then jump down to 11 and 12, and then 18 and 19. Those verses will be on the screen for you as I read. Now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ and advance into perfection. The word perfection means maturity. To advance into maturity. The foundation has already been laid for us to build upon, turning away from our dead way it works to embrace faith in God. Verse 3. So with God's enablement, we move on to deeper truths. Look at verse 11. But we long to see you passionately advance until the end and you find your hope fulfilled. Don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose your enthusiasm. But follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. I want you to notice that. It requires strong faith and patient endurance to receive the reward so that we don't quit too soon. Verse 18, so it's impossible for God to lie, for we know that his promise and his vow will never change. And now we have his promise now we have in, ran into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find his strength and his comfort. For he empowers us to seize what's already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. Oh, you need to hear that. He allows us to, uh, to receive what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. You read verse 19, we have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat. I think that's a very interesting statement because you need to understand what the mercy seat is. The mercy seat was actually the lid to the Ark of the Covenant, the box that God contained and carried God's presence that God ordained in the time of Moses. And the mercy seat was placed on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, the inner sanctum of the temple, the tabernacle, and sprinkle blood on the top of that mercy seat for the remission of the sins of Israel. So when you see that and hear that in this passage of Scripture, you need to understand that God is saying, the hope you have is tied to what I've already done. The hope you live with is tied to the promises that I've already fulfilled. See, just as sure as God has forgiven you, just as sure as God has transformed your life, just as sure as you know your destiny is heaven, he's saying you can have that same assurance in the unshakable hope tied to the mercy seat. Now that should be good news for some folks in this room today. We should be encouraged that in the difficult times, 
When the storms are raging, when things are in chaos, we have a God who already saw the future and made a way for us to walk through it. We have a God who understood we're merely humans. We're made of dust. He knows our weaknesses. And because he does, he provides a way for us to overcome in those situations which normally would overcome us. He provides a way for you and I to walk through the trials of life with our heads held high, full of the promise of God, filled with the Holy Ghost, knowing that today will not be what tomorrow is. That my present temporary circumstance will not be my future permanent circumstance. Why? Because God has tied my hope to the mercy seat. He's tied my hope to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He's tied my hope to the promise of what Christ did on Calvary. And because he did die for me, because he did rise again from the dead, because he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and I, we have an unshakable hope. Unshakable. So many times things happen to us or occur in us or around us, and it shakes our hope, causes us to wander. Why is this happening? I know many of you, especially our students, have felt that way with Pastor Isaiah moving to Dallas. But I need you to understand this wasn't something that could be avoided. He's not going for a better job or another job. This is a family issue that has to be done. It's not a matter of rejecting you. It's a matter of fulfilling his obligations, duties, and responsibilities to his family. And may I say, we would do well if all of us did that very thing. If we put our families ahead of our, quote, calling or ministry. If we put our families ahead of how we see ourselves in the kingdom of God. Because your first responsibility, sir or ma'am, is to minister to your family. Peter told us you are kings and priests in your own home. And if you avoid, neglect, or advocate that position and responsibility, what value are you to the kingdom of God? Love the way you're shouting now. It's not going to get any better. Will Rogers said it really, and if you know anything about me, and if you know Will Rogers, you know he's a Cherokee Indian from Oklahoma. We share the bloodline. He said that it's not how fast you run, or how high you jump that matters. It's how well you bounce. And that's often the case. Life is going to try to knock your feet out from under you, so it's how well you bounce. You see, when I'm talking about hope today, it's in the context of God has given each one of us a mission to fulfill. It's the same mission that he gave to Jesus Christ in John 17, 18. Jesus said, you sent me into the world, So I'm sending them into the world the same way. We have a mission. And the mission is to take the good news to Jesus Christ. Every single believer has the same mission. However, within that mission, there are many different assignments. Many different responsibilities. Paul compares the church to a body, a human body. And it says each one of us have a part to play, a function to fulfill. And if we neglect that, if we get out of our assignment in the mission, things don't go well for us, and the kingdom of God suffers. 
You see, we have to understand that we are placed in a mission with an assignment to do what God asks us to do. And sometimes, while fulfilling the mission, God changes our assignment. This is hard for us to deal with because we don't like change. I want to know what tomorrow holds based upon today and yesterday. I want everything to be the same. But there's one truth, and that is that life is never the same. Tomorrow is a new day with new opportunities and new challenges. And we have to understand that. And when we're fulfilling the mission, sometimes God reassigns us or changes that assignment or repositions that assignment. So what's happening with Pastor Isaiah? God's repositioning him. And I believe he's doing it for something far greater than he can see right now or you and I can see right now. See, because we serve the God who knows the end from the beginning and every part in between. We serve the God that's never shocked, never surprised, never fell off his throne. So he already has a plan. And we discover that plan as we follow him and walk by faith. The scripture is filled with illustrations of individuals who were repositioned to align with God's plan. One that comes to my mind immediately is the book of Ruth and the story of Ruth. If you've never read it, you should. It's only four chapters long, but it's a very powerful story with high drama. It tells the story of Naomi and Elimelech leaving Judea because of a famine and going to the land of Moab. They had two sons they took with them. While they were in Moab, those two sons married Moabite women. Now, if you know anything about Israeli history, that was a big no-no, but they did it anyway. The scripture says that Naomi's husband died, and over a period of years, both of her sons died. So it was her and these two daughter-in-laws. And she said to them, I'm going to go back to my land, to Judea, to Bethlehem, and you need to return to your father's house. One of those daughter-in-laws agreed to do that, but the other one, Ruth said, no, that isn't going to work for me, because where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. She said, I'm willing to be repositioned to know the blessing of God. We fight it so often. We resist it. But my friend, if we will simply follow the Lord, walk by faith, we will see things we never dreamt possible. You know the story, there was a rich man right there in Bethlehem, and Naomi and Ruth were gleaning in his fields. His name was Boaz. He noticed Ruth, and I think he noticed her because she was a hottie. She was probably 12 on a scale of 10. She caught his attention. So she told those that were reaping the fields, leave a lot of grain behind for her. Make her job easy. And then we find out that in the lineage, he is actually the kinsman redeemer for Naomi and her family. So he had first right to marry Ruth, and he did so. And her entire life changed by her willingness to be repositioned. Rahab is another woman for the Old Testament that was repositioned. When Joshua was getting ready to move the Israelites into the promised land, the first city to be taken was Jericho, which was a huge high-walled city that had never been taken by any enemy. So Joshua sent spies into Jericho to determine what they were looking at. The leaders of Jericho realized they were in the city somewhere, and they wanted to find them and kill them. So the Bible says that there was a, catch this, prostitute. 
by the name of Rahab, who took them in and hid them. And because she hid them, God repositioned her and changed her whole future. What her future once held was death, but it changed to life. Because she chose to make a decision to follow the God of Israel. And you know the rest of the story. Now there's another interesting fact about these two ladies, Ruth, who was what? A Moabitess from Moab, Moab. And Rahab, who was a harlot from from Jericho. When you read the book of Matthew, you will find that both of those women are found in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that God chooses to use those things we would overlook, neglect, say, no, that won't work, to bring about the greatest gift we've ever received, and that's His Son, Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. I could go on and on, but time won't permit. I could talk to you about Abraham. I could talk to you about uh, the disciples being forced out of Jerusalem because of persecution. In reality, God was repositioning them so they would take the gospel to the entire known world. Listen to me, remember this. Often when God is trying to do a new thing, he repositions us. Why? Because he wants us in the right place at the right time. He wants us to be ready so that when he does what he's going to do, we step right into it. Tom, would you come back this morning, please? I'm the first to tell you that transitions are not easy. Actually, they're very, very difficult at every level. Especially when someone that we love, that we care about, care for, someone who's become a part of our family has to be repositioned and reassigned. It's a very difficult thing for churches and student ministries and even the staff to walk through because we prefer comfort. We prefer the familiar. We prefer that things be the way they've always been and don't rock our boat. However, faith is a journey. And it often takes us places we would never choose to go on our own. But if we will obey the Lord and follow Him, He moves us into positions that blow our mind. Absolutely are amazing. See, I believe there are some of you in this room that have been brought here this morning specifically so God can reposition you. He's put you in the right place for the right time to receive from Him. Remember, when God is getting ready to do a new thing, He often repositions us. He reassigns us. He changes our physical position. So ask yourself the question this morning, what is my assignment? Kingdom assignments come in all sizes. And when we understand the assignment that God has placed upon our lives, then the kingdom of God provides the resources, the time, the anointing to accomplish the tasks that are before us. See, I'm not talking about preachers this morning. I'm talking about plumbers and mechanics and electricians. I'm talking about hairdressers. I'm talking about the people down at the gas station. Talking about doctors and lawyers and educators, musicians and IT experts. You name the work that you are doing, and then you ask God, what is my assignment in this place? He's going to reveal it to you. Your mission is the same. Your mission is to tell everybody you know about Jesus Christ. But your assignment is where He has you right now. You see, when we're out of our assignment, then our convictions change to conveniences. Then our commitments move to 
what's right for me. Rather than make a difference, we're okay with just making a paycheck. Rather than looking forward, we choose to look back. Rather than looking outward, we look inward when we're out of our assignment. So the question this morning to you and me is, what is my assignment? What is God asking me to do? What does God require of me today? Have you ever wondered why in the realm of Christianity, there are so many unhappy, discontented, dissatisfied people? Well, let me tell you, it's because we don't understand our assignment. It's because we want to stay where we've always been. It's because we don't understand faith as a journey. We think it's a one-time event. And when we have that mental attitude and that physical posture of this is where I am and this is where I'm going to stay, no matter what God says, we become dissatisfied, discontent, unhappy. Nothing suits us. Nothing goes well. So my question to you this morning is are you willing to be reassigned, repositioned, if that's God's will for you? Stand your feet with me across this room. I've asked Tom to sing this great old hymn of the church, It Is Well With My Soul. You may not realize it, but the author of that hymn, his name was Horatio Spafford. He was a real estate investor and an attorney in Chicago. He lost a four-year-old son, and then the next year, the great Chicago fire burned through that city, and he lost most of his investments. A couple years later, he decided it was time for a vacation, so he sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to England where they would vacation. En route, another ship ran into their ship and it sank within 12 minutes. All four daughters died. When his wife got to England, she sent him a telegram that simply said, saved alone. He immediately booked passage, got on another ship and started sailing towards England. And the captain of that ship notified him when they were over the exact spot where his daughters died in that accident. He went to the deck and these words began pouring out of him. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my law you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Come on, sing it out, Tom. Sing it with him today. Declare it is well with my soul. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.